The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Friends, this is a really good place to close this series. Um, there can be so much more said about family God's way. There could be, we could spend so much more time going in the details and perhaps we will do that just in our Bible studies. But friends, you've seen enough to equip you to be a family God's way. We have looked at relationships and, and how we, we need to work these relationships God's way. We, we've looked at a husband's role and what's expected of a husband. We've looked at a wife's role and what's expected of a wife, of a father and a mother, of, of children and how that looks in parenting. Friends, here we are seated as, as, a, as a congregational family and we can share and, 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 and be an amen about this we have to still deal with dysfunctional families. We still, after the series in our church, will have families where fathers are not present, where, where mothers have to go to the extent. Friends, we can, from this congregation, we'll continue to still see how the fall, how sin has affected our families. But these families can still honor the Lord in these ways as we've studied so please go back to the series go back to the notes read up listen up so that you as a husband would be a man after god's own heart you say but why would god want me i look at the life of david and i go he loved david <laughs> he loved david who and i say this with 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 meekness and, and humility he was not such a good guy, right? He failed as a father. He failed in the extent that his own son wanted to overthrow his kingdom and murder him. Great parenting done right there, amen? No. How many relationships did, did David destroy? Marriage relationships. Yet scripture tells us that this was a man after God's own heart. So friends, your past failures... Your past sins are not what determine your relationship with Christ right now. As a mother, you may have fallen short on the expectation, but friends, you don't have an expectation. You have biblical commands. Biblical commands. As children, we've been obedient to the extent where our parents had hair, ripping hair out of their heads. Still, they love us by a grace that cannot be understood. Amen? It's just we share that grace as parents. We've seen this in the series. So I want to talk about the key to maintaining family unity. The key to maintaining family unity. One word. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you want family unity God's way, you need to learn not to say sorry... Please forgive me. Saying sorry is most of the time meaningless. 
We say sorry when you bump someone in town. We say sorry when we let the door go and the wind shuts it. And we go, whoops, that was my, I'm sorry. But when we've offended someone, or when we have been offended by sin and by a sinner, we forgive, right? There's a concept behind, a, a theology behind forgiveness. And forgiveness is not saying sorry for what I did. Right? It's much more than this. Because in your relationship, in your marriage relationship, you will offend one another. In your relationship with your children, they will offend you. And believe it or not, parents, I'm sorry if you have kind of built a pedestal for yourself and you think I'm the greatest gift of parenting to my children, but you too will offend and fail your children. These things happen. It's part of life. It's part of being in a sinful world. So forgiveness is key. Because without forgiveness, relationships are being destroyed daily. Daily. If you work with people, they would share this with you. No matter where you are. If you're a teacher, if you work in the hospital, if you're a missionary, no matter where you are, you deal with people and people will share their stories of, of losing out on relationships, of, of, of having bitter marriages, having children who don't speak to each other, not just children not speaking to each other, having children who want nothing to do with their parents and vice versa. Where does this come from? It comes from a heart of unforgiveness. And we choose to not forgive just as much as we choose to forgive, right? So we need to deal with unforgiveness. And the Lord has laid this upon my heart this, this week. And dear friends, I trust that He's working in your heart as well. We live in a society of total destruction, right? This whole dating society in the States that kind of has a, a stick in the, for, you know, in the fork where everyone's losing their minds because of the abortion bill. That whole thing has to do because relationships are so dysfunctional. We're jumping from one partner to the other partner because they said something to offend us. Unforgiveness, when it takes root in your heart, will kill every existing relationship that you have. Listen, unforgiveness will hinder your relationship with Christ because it's a stumbling block in your communion with Him. So if we're not dealing with unforgiveness, we are breaking down every relationship that we have. And the issue is this. As sinners, maybe not in our church. We don't have this in our church, amen. But as sinners, we deal with bitterness. We deal with anger. We deal with hate. Friends, believe it or not, we deal with vengeance. How many in this room, a show of hands, I'm kidding. But how many of us in this room is dealing with a heart of vengeance? Oh, if they could just total their car, if they could just oh, lose their sight, if something could just happen, Lord, and we start praying these unjustified, imprecatory prayers upon them. If you don't know what an imprecatory prayer is, it's when David in the Psalms prays, Lord, destroy my enemy. Just wipe them out with a flood or with fire. 
That's imprecatory prayer. Like, wow, that is Old Testament. That's our hearts. That is our hearts. So we need to deal with this because if we're not killing unforgiveness, we are walking around with hearts of bitterness, anger, hate, vengeance. When, when, listen, maybe you're sitting here trying to justify vengeance. Like, ah, I have no issue with vengeance. Those who hurt me, you know what, they, they're going on about their life. When you hear that by some measure they have failed at something or they've lost out on something and there's a little spark in your heart going, you have vengeance in your heart and you need to deal with that vengeance. Oh, I don't want to do anything to them. Yes, but you want something to happen to them. So friends, let's jump into it because that's unforgiveness and unforgiveness is a prison. Do you get that? It is a prison. You are locked up in your own vengeful thoughts. So we are called to forgive one another. To not be shackled by unforgiveness. Unforgiveness produces bitterness. Do you want to continue being bitter? Am I the only one, right? Bitterness takes so much energy. You have to wake up and be angry. You have to wake up and be sour. Who has time for that? Let alone energy for that. But that's what we do. Wake up and and, it's a new day. I hate everyone that lives. Here's the opposite. Forgiveness brings freedom. Freedom from your past. Forgiveness frees us from bitterness. Forgiveness is having a loving attitude toward those around us. Listen, forgiveness releases tension. Right? I remember the story that Pastor Yuan shared in a congregation that he was pastoring up north. And not Polokwane, even more north, right? There was someone in the congregation physically ill, just so tense, because this person was harboring bitterness every day until one one Sunday morning there was a time for communion and Pastor Johan suggested we take time to really lay down our sins and trust that Jesus brings forgiveness and this person did that and and, and Pastor Johan as you were sharing he said this person got up in the service and, and exclaimed I am free just released from all that pain because they released that bitterness. They forgave whoever offended them. Friends, man, the the Lord's word, word is just refreshing and it brings healing, especially when it tells us these things. So as we're called to forgive continually, let's get into our outline this morning as we look firstly at How forgiveness shows God's character. Forgiveness shows God's character. Again, Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God, there we go, as God in Christ forgave you. Listen. Forgiveness is the most God-like thing we can do, right? 
you can, we can argue about gifts and you know, miraculous healing and, and just testimonies of how the Spirit brings forth His Word and what all these things. That is nothing in comparison to forgiveness. Actually forgiving someone. Because I tell you what, even as the Spirit moves, even as the Spirit works, we can be harboring bitterness and still the Lord can bring about a healing. Right? So it's not those things... In fact, one of the key things that Paul dealt with in the church was that people need to love each other. If you're not loving each other, it's because we're harboring unforgiveness. And so the first thing is this. When we forgive, we are doing the most God-like thing. We are imitating Him. And that's the very next thing that Paul says in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God. What is he saying? Be forgiving, be loving, be tender-hearted. That's who you are supposed to be as the church. But what do we do as the church? I tell you what we do, and I've spoken to many outside of the church. People feel so judged and condemned by the church. And why is that? Why is that? It's because we're not dealing with what's inside our hearts. It just overflows. It just comes out. It's just so natural to us now. And it's so ungodlike that people recognize there's a distinction in the church. And that is this it's not loving the lost, it's not loving God's people. Forgiveness isn't just saying, I forgive you. Forgiveness is a statement of undeserved, unearned love. That affirms to an offender that there is no anger, no hatred, no desire for vengeance, no retaliation, because the guilt and blame has been removed. That's forgiveness. But we forgive in such a way that the people around us are always walking on eggshells. It's like, well, maybe they didn't really forgive me because this is what they're like today. Maybe they didn't forgive me because they just reminded me of that thing that I did. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means to remove the guilt from the offense. Listen, <clears throat> forgiveness is also not self-pity. It's not, oh, it's okay, I'll deal with it. That's not forgiveness. Because you walk away and you don't deal with it. Forgiveness is not self-pity. It's also not, it's okay, I forgive you. Do you really? Did you consider the offense? Do you now love that person as Christ loves that person? Friends, there is no bitterness when it comes to forgiveness. And that's God's attitude towards sinners, by the way. Does God hold the account of our sin against us? Yes or no? Does He say, yeah, this is what you did this morning on your way to church. And now you want to worship? Does God do that? By no means. He doesn't do that. He doesn't harbor bitterness towards us. He doesn't remind us of our past sins. When God forgives us, He forgives us. We tend to say, God forgets. Listen, He's the Almighty Sovereign. Do you think He can forget anything? Just, I, oh, I forgot. He chooses to not remember. Friends, that is mind-blowing. 
Who of us chooses to not remember? I need you to teach me that because we don't. We choose to keep that. He chooses to forget. He chooses to not hold these things against us. He is not angry. He doesn't carry hatred or bring about vengeance. There's no retaliation. Romans 8, 1, no condemnation because the blame, the guilt, the shame, it has been removed. That's the attitude of God towards us who are sinners. That's the attitude we need to have to one another who are brothers and sisters, right? But we don't. That's the attitude we need to have to those outside of the church. You say, but they're unbelievers. Why should I forgive them? Because Jesus says, love your enemy. Feed him when he is hungry. Give him drink when he is thirsty. Can't do that with unforgiveness. I want to just point out the character of God real quick. You can write these down at Exodus 34 verse 6. Exodus 34 verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, that's Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's that's the heart of God towards sinners, slow to anger. But we're quick on anger. Why'd you shove me? Why are you in my way? Why'd you cut me off? Quick to anger. Why'd you say that about me? It's not the attitude of God. In fact, uh, here's another one. Psalm 32. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Wow, that's liberating. God says, come and be forgiven. We say, it's fine, I forgive you. And as they go, we judge. They did it again. Did you see that? Don't like that person. The character of God is seen in Luke 15. The, the prodigal son, right? We all know the story of the prodigal son. You know, he takes his inheritance. He runs away. He's angry at his dad. He hates his family. Unforgiveness in the heart. He goes about his business. He squanders all his finances, loses everything. His friends abandon him. And what do we have? We have him working as a slave, <clears throat> desiring the food of swine. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Thinking, but if I go back to my dad, even if he doesn't forgive me, his slaves certainly eat better and live better than this. Right? And what's the story there? The son comes and the father sees him far off. Does the father say, well, let's see. Let's see what he has to say now. What does the father do? He runs after him. He pursues him. He embraces him. He forgives him. He clothes him. He gives him the ring of association. That's the heart of God towards sinners. You know who we are in that story? I'm going to blow your mind right now if you never knew this. We're not the prodigal son. We're the brother 
who says, how dare you forgive him? How dare you? He squandered everything. He wasted our inheritance. How dare you? That's our hearts. That's unforgiveness. We need to deal with that. We can't be the brother that says, nope, I'm not having this. Punish him. That's not the heart of God. We look at Jesus on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But the moment somebody offends us, same thing. How dare you? Do you know who I am? Stephen, the deacon, most humble preaching, being crushed beneath a body of stones, he says, lay this sin not to their charge. But we want to call down fire the moment somebody sins against us. Friends, that's Paul's point. In order for us to be God-like, in order for us to show off the character of God, we need to be a forgiving people. We need to be imitators of God as His beloved children. Being quick to forgive. You say, but it's not easy. It isn't easy. And the reason it isn't easy is because we want something out of it. No one recognizes when I forgive someone. I want to be rewarded for letting this offense go by. That's the issue. What does Jesus say about rewards? Whatever you do in secret. Yeah? Friends, it's worth destroying our relationships. Paul says in another place, Colossians 3.13, Bear with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. Christ doesn't forgive dependent on any terms and conditions, right? He doesn't say, first do this, then I'll forgive you. First be baptized three times in the name of the Father, the Son, then I'll forgive you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead, He pursues us. Back in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then he goes on to say, um, when you do that, you may be sons of your Father. Sounds conditional. When we are being forgiving, we're being like God. We're showing the character of God. I'm not saying we're little gods, please no. We're far from it. We're imitating His character rather. When you forgive, we're showing the heart of of God. But if you continue to accumulate hatred, vengeance, when you kind of built up on hostility, you will destroy relationships and you will remain bitter. And it's going to be like a cancer to your bones. Secondly, 
Not only does forgiveness show us the heart of God, the character of God, forgiveness is also commanded in Scripture. Our verse once again says, Be kind to one another. You be kind to one another. You be tender hearted. You be forgiving. That is a command. He's not suggesting, oh, hey, if you want a good life, then maybe you should consider forgiving people. Paul says, you must forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let's go back to Matthew 5, verse 21. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. What is Jesus saying? Is the Old Testament commandment just, thou shalt not commit murder? What does Jesus tell us? Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. The translation, Jesus is saying, when I refer to the commandment, you shall not kill, I am referring to anger, wrath, malice, the lack of forgiveness, desire for revenge. They're all in this commandment. If you're being angry at someone for an unjust cause, what does Jesus say? You've committed murder in your heart. Wow. It's pretty serious, isn't it? See, when you are angry, even if you say a curse word towards someone, call someone a fool, Jesus is saying you are being a murderer. You think, so is saying a fool bad? To call someone a fool meant saying that they are godless. It was to curse them. It was to say that you are guilty enough for hell. You fool. You know, you're godless. You're doomed for hell. That's what it means. Not just, oh, you're being silly. No, it's to curse someone to damnation. Jesus says when you do that, you're committing murder in your heart. Suddenly, Job's wife doesn't seem so loving. Why don't you just curse God and die? Friends, we cannot harbor these things. We're commanded to have an attitude of forgiveness. We can't let resentment build up. We can't give it room. Here's the thing. Imagine our house, our heart was a house with many rooms. I tell you what, right now, I think, in, our, in the rooms of our heart, we have things like bitterness, unforgiveness, ungodly judgment. We're, we're, we're allowing them to live there and they're not paying rent. And what comes out of our heart? We're cursing each other. We're damning each other. Jesus said, love your enemy as yourself. Meaning, forgive the unbeliever. Paul tells us, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Meaning, we are to forgive Christians. No matter what your excuse is, you can't get around it. 
Forgiveness is commanded in Scripture. Remember a couple of weeks back, Vody Buckham's illustration? The husband says, I don't love my wife. Well, you're meant to love her. She's your sister in the Lord. He says, well, I, I think she's an unbeliever. He says, well, Jesus says, love your enemy as yourself. We can't get around it, friends. We need to deal with it. And we need to trust that the Holy Spirit, as we are doing what God says, gives us the strength to do so. You see, when, when we are cursing an unbeliever, we're cursing someone that has the moral image of God, right? We're all created in the image of God. James says explicitly that when we're, when we're slandering a person, we are blaspheming His Creator. Did you ever think about that? Because that person is created in the image of God. Instead, look for what's noble in a person. Look at what's right for a, in a person. He said, but there's nothing right in this person. There is. The fact that they are created in the image of God. Then do this. As you consider how forgiveness is a commandment, recognize your lack of forgiveness. You see, our lack of forgiveness is sinful in itself. If we're not quick to forgive, we are the ones sinning now. Not the person who just sinned against us, but we are becoming the sinner, choosing to harbor unforgiveness. Be humble enough so that this, this, the, the sin against you, which is worthy of hate, by the way, is as if it's just water on a duck's back. Be humble enough to recognize. You know what Spurgeon said the one day? People didn't like Spurgeon back then, by the way. We love him now because he's dead. But people didn't like him back then. Um... He said this the one day, and I love this. He said, someone called him, um, someone called him a pig, a swine. And, and he, his response was, you know, that's hurtful to the swine, for I'm far worse. I'm far worse. Friends, as sinners, we are terrible. We are. Yet, we're created in the image of God, and as Christians... That image has been restored. We walk in the righteousness of Christ. We need to start acting like it by forgiving one another. Thirdly, forgiveness is also because God enables forgiveness. God enables forgiveness. He says this, just forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God through Christ gave us this forgiveness. Christ is working in our hearts. The Spirit is working in our hearts. Amen? We can't just supernaturally forgive someone because we feel like it. We need to make peace with the situation, with the offense. And part of doing that is how? Laying our burdens upon Jesus. Laying our burdens upon Jesus. So Christ or God enables our forgiveness. Because God forgives fully, totally and freely. I think we tend to forgive conditionally. 
I forgive you, just don't do it again. When the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive an offender? What did Jesus say? 70, 70 times 7? How many is that? Have you done the math? It's a lot. <laughs> In a single day? Yeah. Who are we to lay the charge? He says, forgive. Here's the thing. How do we sin against God? Even as unbelievers, how do we sin against God? Grossly. Grossly. I mean, if He is most holy, far apart from... I mean, He's as far as sin as He can be. Yet, the grossest sin... Think about it. A murderer. A rapist. Think about the worst things. Does He forgive those when they come to Him? Yes? Of course. Right, He does. So He forgives these huge offenders, if I can put it that way. But we don't even want to overlook the smallest offense. Yet here is God overlooking what is most devastating. But we want to hang on. Just a little threat. I have something on you, you know. I'm not going to let this one go. If God in Christ has forgiven you, the same God who overlooks these massive offenses, we don't want to overlook something because someone said I'm a donkey. We've got to really deal with our hearts. Amen? So God enables this forgiveness. And how does He do that? How does God enable forgiveness? Firstly, He forgives us. Firstly, He forgives us. And because we stand in that forgiveness, we too experience forgiveness. We have peace because we stand in the Creator. Who's given us firstly forgiveness. And when did God give us this forgiveness? When we study the book of Romans. It says, while we were sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. Whoa. Whoa. We don't want to forgive our brother or sister in church. No. He forgave us. Even while we were working against Him. And in His mercy, He forgives us. In Christ, He forgives us. And it's not a small thing, right? Jesus died on a cross for us to experience that forgiveness. And you're upset because your neighbor threw his leaves over the wall. Right? Something ridiculous like that. You're upset because we were walking in town and we didn't see each other. We didn't greet you. They, there they go. They hate me. That's not the case here. Jesus pursues sinners and forgives them. And so He enables us to forgive. Are you in a higher court than God? Can you condemn above God? No. He has the highest course, uh, court, and yet He says, I forgive, no condemnation. And we are, we are to experience a far greater wrath than what we receive mercy, and still He's merciful. So Christ enables our hearts to forgive. Friends, lastly, 
as Christ works in our, works in our hearts, as Christ brings His Word um, to collection of our minds, there's a fourth point which says, forgiveness restores fellowship. Forgiveness restores fellowship. I struggle to understand how for so many years people can go to the same church and still hate each other. Right? Maybe you've experienced that at some point. Hopefully not at CBC. I remember growing up when I got saved as a teenager. It was like this clear line. There would be a group in the church and another group in the church just never mixing. Because someone's friend said this about someone else's friend and there it is, you know. Euadia and Sentiki. Just the vision because of the harboring of unforgiveness. Friends, that kills the church. That kills your fellowship with Christ. Instead, forgiveness restores our fellowship. Because forgiveness opens the door to love. It opens the door to joy. See, Christians, even in marriage, the wife might say, I've had it with this guy, I'm done, I'm not taking it anymore, I'm fed up, I'm going out, I'm not going to forgive him. And what happens? There's an immediate separation. Even when you try and reconciliate these parties through counseling, the fact that these things have been spoken, there's a separation. There's a division. Forgiveness needs to take place. And it's so intense, man. And so not only in Christian relationships do we lose this fellowship, in our marriages we lose this fellowship. As, as children and parents, we lose this fellowship. Let me make it personal with you. I got, I got saved at, at the age of 16. And um, this is a sidetrack, by the way. I got saved at the age of 16. And at that point, my dad had been working different shifts on the mine. I mean, it's just chaos. He's either, he's not around when I go to school. He's not around when I come from school. He's, when he works night shift, I mean... He sleeps during the day when I am home from school. So we didn't really have a relationship when I was at the age of establishing a, a relationship. And my dad had to go on early retirement because he was diagnosed with Parkinson. And I tell you what, I didn't know as a Christian I could be that sinful. We fought every single day. Just fighting every single day. And, and it could be about something serious, it could be about something silly, but suddenly he's there now. Suddenly I'm there now. Now we're trying to establish who's who, what's what, and instead of doing the Christian thing, we're fighting and we're harboring unforgiveness. And once I hit 18, um, there, there was already a drastic change in my life. At that point, I believe the Lord was already starting to call me into ministry and I went to my dad one day and I said I can't deal with this I, I can't argue with you and then leave from here and pray for you I, I really can't deal with this and my dad said the same thing he said I just didn't know how we would get to that point where we sat down and, and just came to a mutual agreement and it turns out till this day I don't know what was the cause or the quarrel for our fighting but the one thing that needed to take place was forgiveness. We sat down and I pleaded with my dad, man, forgive me. Forgive me for being stupid, arrogant, 
disobedient, unloving. I remember mentioning it to him, and my dad with tears in his eyes said, I forgive you, and I want you to forgive me for, for not being the dad I was meant to be. Oh man, it was just so sweet to embrace my dad. And at that point, sad to say, but from the age of 18, that's when I had a relationship with my dad. Forgiveness restores fellowship, friends. And, and, and to, till the day my dad passed, we just had one of the greatest relationships because we were forgiving. Friends, you can choose for yourself today because it lies with you. You can choose to harbor unforgiveness and it will make you hard. It will make you a very hard person. In your mind, in your action toward those around you, in the way you speak, unforgiveness will make you hard. And the problem with that is you will not fit in the church. You will not fit among those who are forgiving as Christ has forgiven us, as the Father has forgiven. We annihilate ourselves from fellowship when we choose to harbor unforgiveness. There's another, another, another illustration in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 from verse 31. Jesus shares the story of, of the man who um, was forgiven a great debt by his master. And the moment he was forgiven, he goes up to his fellow worker and he says, You owe me money. And because he didn't have the money to pay him, what did he do? He had him thrown in prison. And this man's friends were the ones that went. Go to Matthew 18, you can follow along. His very friends... In verse 31 it says, And when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that happened. I mean, they couldn't believe that, that one of their colleagues just experienced the forgiveness of the greatest debt. And now, what does he do? He condemns a person who owed him but just a little. And so what do they do? They hand him over to the king, to their Lord. When you will not forgive, you forfeit fellowship. You cut yourself off from fellowship. You distance yourself from the church. Listen, you need God's people in your life. You do. God doesn't create us to be lone Christians. There's no such thing. And that's the context in Hebrews. If you want to annihilate yourself from the life of the church, it's going to lead to more and more and more sin. Hebrews 10.24, it says that we need to be together for mutual stimulation, for the stirring up of one another, so that we would do what? Share love and practice good deeds. You need the life of God's people. You need friends around you. When you don't have that, who is sharpening you? How are you growing? How are you being challenged? How are you being comforted? You tear yourself from fellowship when you harbor unforgiveness. You say, but the church is the problem. 
or so and so is the problem. You are just as much to blame when you choose to not forgive. What happens to this guy in Matthew 18? Look at verse 32. The king calls him in. It says, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you asked me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord now moved with anger turns him over to the tormentors until he should pay all that he was owed. Jesus adds, So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. Meaning, you as a person holistically forgive someone else. It's not a decision in your mind, it's a decision in your heart. It's a, it's a continuous decision to not hold this offense against someone. It's a continuous decision to love that person because God first loved you. But if you're not going to forgive one another, the Lord will bring judgment. Sometimes it's through hardship. Sometimes it's through illness. Sometimes it's through difficulty. James chapter 2.13 says... Judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Dear Christian, how are you doing when it comes to forgiveness? The one who does not forgive will not be forgiven. Matthew six fourteen, For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. It's hard. It's hard to say, I'm not going to forgive you. It's hard to say, I'm going to choose from this day onwards to hate you. Because what you don't realize is, you're breaking fellowship with the Lord. We're to forgive because we are God's children. We are like Him, therefore we should imitate him. Friends, we are to forgive, otherwise we forfeit fellowship. We are to love those around us. Because if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. So be quick to forgive, purposeful in forgiveness, and lead the example of forgiveness. If you have young children in your house, or you're planning to get married and have kids one day, when you fight or argue with your spouse, don't go and reconcile in the bedroom. Your children need to see just as quick you were to engage in quarrel and disagreement, that you're also quick to forgiveness and reconciliation. As part of one of the biggest problems we have in the world, children grow up seeing their parents fight, and half an hour later they're happy and giggling. What are they learning? It's fine to fight. Life goes on. You think the divorce rate is that high just because it's easy? No, we're failing. We're failing in certain areas of our life. And one of the places we fail is to forgive. Teach your children what forgiveness looks like. Show them what forgiveness looks like. Friends, Teach those around you in the church what forgiveness looks like. 
Don't hang on to being right all the time. Stand and trust in Christ. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Let him do what he rightfully says he will do. And you focus on what he says you are commanded to do. And what was that? Forgive. Forgive. Let me lead us in prayer. Jesus Christ, this morning we ask for your help, for your hand. We ask, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be shaped by the example we have in you. To send your Son, Heavenly Father, to die on a cross, to die a death that we deserve. So that you could forgive us. May we be so humbled this morning. To release just the hate we've been hanging on to. Whether it's, how can I put, generational. Meaning we hate because we were taught to hate. Whether it's because we didn't like something someone did. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus Reveal to our hearts the very things we are clinging to that shouldn't be there. Help us to maintain unity in the home through forgiveness. To maintain unity in the church through forgiveness. And help us to maintain a fellowship with you as we plead our case, trusting that you forgive us. Jesus Christ, in your blessed name we pray this. Amen.